Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Gary Perry, it's Friday, March 12, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and you're not going to believe this, but we have more COVID-19 issues at the ACC tournament. One day after the biggest brand in the sport, the Duke Blue Devils, were removed from the ACC tournament because of a positive COVID test inside the program, the reigning national champions, the Virginia Cavaliers, were removed from the ACC tournament because of a positive COVID test inside the program. Meantime, North Carolina A&T, the number one seed in the MEAC tournament, also had to be removed from its conference tournament because of COVID issues. So I believe that's seven teams in total that have been removed from their conference tournaments because of COVID issues. And now Selection Sunday is just two days away. The round of 64 of the NCAA tournament is scheduled to begin one week from today. Uncertainty, undeniably, currently dominates the sport. Deadleg, I'm going to let you take it from here. Tell us what we need to know about the Virginia situation that has removed the Cavaliers from the ACC tournament and advanced Georgia Tech to the ACC tournament title game. Uh, no one could have seen this coming, right, Parrish? No one. I think, we, I think we saw it coming yesterday. Should I just, should I just, you know, pause everything right here, drop in yesterday's emergency podcast for the next 19 minutes, and then we can pick up later? I mean, goodness gracious. Uh, all right, I have a source that told me uh, that the player on Virginia that has tested positive for COVID-19 played in the game versus Syracuse on Thursday. Uh, I had a story in the court report, my lead item on Thursday, that uh, detailed uh, Connexon, which is the technology that the NCAA tournament will use and what the ACC tournament and ACC teams have been using all season. Basically, the players wear these tile-shaped uh, sensors uh, on their person somewhere, on their uniform, and they, at the end of the day or whenever they're done, they hand it back and it goes up to this you know, secure... It goes through the secure software monitoring program and it basically shows... All of these unique tiles and these IDs connected to the people, how often they've been close to each other or not. And so it would stand to reason through either traditional contact tracing measurements, uh, like people being the arbiters, watching over this, using video, and potentially the Connexon tech. This is what led to Virginia needing to having to be removed from the ACC tournament. Uh, we don't know how many players or other people that aren't players are currently in quarantine for Virginia as we speak here. Um, again, I understand like you get this on back-to-back days, like there's going to be some PTSD that sets in. We just simply don't know. We don't, we don't know what Virginia's situation will be going forward. We know that the player who tested positive is not going to travel to Indianapolis at minimum. What remains to be seen is whether Virginia's availability for the NCAA tournament is, is actually in jeopardy and, and potentially on the table. Uh, we can certainly talk about the scenarios, Paris, that can play out here, but we don't have the facts, which is important to keep in mind. Uh, there are obviously people that are in contact tracing isolation at the moment. Um, 
it remains to be seen if those people are going, I have asked this specific question and have not heard back as we record this podcast. I have asked for everyone that had to go into contact tracing with Virginia right now, if it tests again on Friday, again Saturday, and then say Virginia, which is clearly eligible and good enough to get into the NCAA tournament, non-COVID reasons excluded, would those people in contact tracing be able to travel with the team so you essentially only have this one player if that's the only positive test? Can they leave on Sunday? Does their seven-day clock start again? Because as a reminder, you have to do seven straight days of negative tests before you can depart for Indianapolis. Uh, if that's not the case, then is Virginia going to... Are we going to have this weird window where Virginia is in the bracket, but it needs to be... like It's going to be in on Selection Sunday, right? But its actual fate won't be known until Monday or Tuesday, and it won't be able to travel until Tuesday because the people in contact tracing quarantine, will they be able to leave by then? We don't have those answers. It's almost like we shouldn't have been having the conference tournaments right up against Selection Sunday. Man, why didn't... Why didn't anyone think of this? Like, wouldn't this have been just an obvious thing? Of course. So now we're in this situation. It completely sucks for Virginia. I hope that it's still able to go, to travel, and that this is just an unfortunate circumstance for them in the ACC tournament. The ACC is going to continue playing its its games, by the way. This league is not going to stop. That has been um, determined as we record this podcast. So that's a quick assessment of, of where we're at, and we await more answers I would think later on Friday, we're going to have more from Virginia side of things. But yes, this now this is different than Duke. Duke needed to win the auto bid, in my opinion, to get into the field. Virginia is safely in the field, and its inclusion is now under question. Um, our, our friend Seth Davis tweeted this morning after the news that it's now more than fair to second guess whether we should have been playing conference tournaments this, this close to the uh, NCAA tournament. And that's obviously true. But like, here's here's what's also true. This isn't even second guessing. We said this months ago, months ago. What are you doing? Why why this is not a well thought out plan? And now here we are, um, going through the hypothetical that we had tossed out as a possibility again, months ago. Whatever reward you get for holding your conference tournament as normally scheduled in quote championship week leading into selection Sunday, whatever comes with that television inventory. And I'm not naive to that, by the way, like mm -hmm. I work for a television network. I understand that the television inventory is important, but is it worth it? That was always my question. And, and if the answer is yes, then okay. But is it worth it to play it as normally scheduled? Can't you move everything up? You know, the NCAA, and let's be honest, Turner, CBS, made it clear they wanted the NCAA tournament to run in basically the same window that it always runs. And so the conferences needed to work from that, that date, and it would have been so much smarter. And this isn't Monday morning quarterback, and we said it months ago. So much smarter to have a big window in between Selection Sunday and the start of the NCAA tournament so that if there were issues in the conference tournaments, in theory, the teams could quarantine and be out of quarantine in time to participate. I laid it out yesterday. I'll do a quicker version right now. All conference tournaments should have been completed no later than the afternoon of March 7th. Selection show, March 7th. Fly to Indianapolis, March 8th. Test and quarantine. Then start the NCAA tournament on March 17th, which is currently the plan, and that would give you 11 days between Selection Sunday and the first four 
12 days between Selection Sunday and the start of the round of 64. That's, that's, that's a big enough window, whereas if you encounter problems in your conference tournament, in theory, they should be in your past by the time it's time to play the NCAA tournament. You didn't have to be a genius to, to map this out. You didn't have to be a genius to see this coming, and now here we are. And though I know the ACC has said at the time that we are taping that it plans to continue with its conference tournament, I wouldn't. The only three teams left in it are all in the bracket. I'd I'd go home. I'd say we're gonna. This is over with. I mean, the only three teams left are Georgia Tech, North Carolina, Florida State. They're all in the field. Yes. What, what are we doing? It's a valid point. Um, uh, Paul Brazo told John Rostein that they're gonna play. Um, it, it, at this point, nothing would surprise me because here's the deal. When we talked about this in January in the preseason, when I did the story polling more than 40 head coaches and nearly 30% of them said, if it was up to me, I wouldn't play in the tournament. Uh, that was that was still with the tournament weeks, months away, right? The conference tournaments. We're now here in the midst of it. And if you are Roy Williams, if you are Thick Josh Passner, if you are Leonard Hamilton, like, are you are you seeing what's happening here? This is the only conference tournament. There's been seven teams. The only one that's had two teams eliminated because of positive COVID tests is the ACC tournament. Are you are you saying like, do we do we really like we're in? We want to continue to do this Friday, and then if we win, we play Saturday, and maybe we'll be good. Like maybe we will. Maybe everything's gonna be okay. But like, we now have two teams that have done this. They they've tested positive. They played in this arena. We we're gonna we're gonna we're going to do this and and understand that. Objectively speaking, our risk of having COVID positives and jeopardizing our chance to play in the NCAA tournament, that's that's now on the table even more deliberately, if you will, than it was before. You bring up a good point. It's been said it's, they're going to play. We're recording this on Friday morning. Maybe that changes by 1.30 in the afternoon or 5 p.m. at night. But if I had to lean one way or the other, I think they will continue to play. There is a... Um, this isn't the biggest deal, but technically it does matter. If they did not play the tournament... I don't even know how they decide their automatic qualifier. I guess the highest seeded team in the field would have to be it because if you wanted to go regular season champion, that's Virginia, which situation is fluid at the moment. They'll get it figured out in time for selection Sunday, but uh, you know th- that's a another thing that no doubt they have they have discussed. But you bring up a good point. Yeah, I, my understanding was that you had to ex- it tell the, like the NCAA didn't care, but you had to tell them in advance. Yes. Um, hey, this is what we're going to do with our auto bid if we don't have a tournament. So that should already have been decided, honestly. Yes, that was due at the end of February, Parish, And that is every contingency had to be sent to the selection committee, by the way. So the ACC better have thought about this exact scenario and presented it to, co- to the committee by now. That's exactly right. And again, I know that they said they're planning to play as of this recording. And I take them at their word. I'm sure they are planning to play. Um, but I was watching a game on the ACC network within the past couple of weeks and, you know, game's over and they go to, you know, original programming. And it was like a look back at, you know, the, the day the country changed. And there was John Swaffer, the ACC commissioner on set um, on the ACC network, the morning of the morning, everything changed. And, and they were like, will games be played? They had Jay Billis on first and they were like, do you think we're playing basketball today? And Jay said, no. And then they had John Swafford on and they were like, will basketball be played today? And he was like, absolutely. 
<laughs> and then, of course, basketball was not played. Yeah, John Swafford so, in the podcast intro from last week, by the way. He, he did make an appearance, yes. <laughs> so so um, the ACC, a year ago, was insistent on the morning that they canceled everything, that games were still going to be played. So, a- as always, we'll see. But you put me in charge, I would tell Leonard Hamilton, Roy Williams, and Josh Pastner, take your teams home, lock your players in separate hotel rooms, and and just r- prepare for the NCAA tournament that we already know you're in. It would be a much tougher call if Duke were still alive right now. If Duke were healthy and still alive in this tournament, then you'd have to, you know, that would be something that plays into the equation. I, every time I talk about this stuff, I'm just weighing pros and cons. That's it. I'm just, I don't speak in absolutes. I'm just weighing pros and cons. When you've got, if you had healthy Duke in the semifinals, well, then the cons of canceling it is you might be costing yourself and a, a team in the NCAA tournament. You might be costing Mike Krzyzewski a chance to go to 25 straight NCAA tournaments. You got to consider that. But as we sit here right now and the three teams left are Georgia Tech, Florida State, and North Carolina, all three already in the field, at this point, I don't think the risk outweighs the reward. Go home. Yeah, and by the way, um, you know, like Florida State hasn't – I can't even remember the last time I saw Florida State play. Uh, it, this is just, uh, you know. A lot of weird stuff here. Um, Parrish, I hope we aren't doing an emergency podcast between now and... Uh, the next time we are scheduled to talk to each other is late into Sunday evening when we will have a field. And I really... I Listen, don't take this the wrong way. I don't want to see your face until then. At least face-to-face. I'm going to watch you on CBS Sports Network, but I don't want to yeah. be talking to you before then. Because if we're well, talking, it means we've had another situation like this. Right. And if we're talking, it means that... Um, I am not doing something else I'm supposed to be doing because I don't have time for this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, hold on real quick. So let's let's just let's 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 nudge out of this because I did want to uh, before we get to everything else. How are you doing, my man? In the studio. Yeah. I mean, listen. I actually hung on until Colorado State got the win to keep its bubble case alive here, and then I was like, I got to go. You're in that studio. Cal Colorado might not have finished until 2.35 Eastern. I don't know. I had to bail last night, but I don't even know if you got to bed before 4.30. This is March. Look at you. You actually look okay, but how are we feeling right now? I don't feel great. Okay. I don't feel great. We we did not stay for the end of Cal Colorado. All right. We, all right. we stayed for the end of our late game, which was Colorado State, and – Whoever. Fresno State. Fresno State. It's all good. Yeah. yeah. And so we stayed for the end of that. We had a 30-minute inside college basketball. If I'm being honest, we pre-taped most of it. We had we had to pay off our game and then and then do one segment. We got out of the studio a little after 2 a.m. Um, that sounds like a Counting Crow song, too. Yeah, actually a little bit. <laughs> or, or maybe Matchbox 20, either way. Um, no, but 2 a.m. It's in long December yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, around 2 a.m. And then – because I rank 26 basketball teams every morning, I had to come back to the hotel and rank, do the top 25 and one. And then I prepped for this podcast. And I swear to God, I woke up. I woke up multiple times this morning. I woke up at six and I was like, okay, I'm awake. And, but I've only slept like two. I went to bed sometime between four and four 30. I was like, I'm awake. That's good. But like, I barely slept. That's not good. I'm going to go try to go back to sleep. Then I woke up again at eight o'clock actually had a dream where John Rothstein was being hunted in New York oh and he God. and he was Mississippi at my home. I had Rothstein in Mississippi. I swear I had that dream this morning. So uh, then I woke back up again. It was about 8 o'clock. 
And I said, okay, I, I'm awake. That's good. But I can maybe sleep another 45 minutes or so before I get up and do this because we were, we were planning to, to podcast at 1030 Eastern. And then I woke up again and I kept my son, phone on silent, but it was a text from And like she had sent it literally one minute before I woke up. Timing was perfect. But the, the text message was, hey, call me when you can, wanting to talk about Virginia. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> what happened? And, of course, yeah, you, you know what happened. I was uh, – so I do, I do the podcast with, uh, uh, with Learfield IMG College Sports Now. So I was recording that this morning. And I got two texts basically simultaneously from people in the ACC saying, "Camp." one said, wow, and another said, can't believe it. And the wow was identical to the same person sent me it yesterday when Duke got knocked out. And so I said, oh, no, don't even tell me. And so then I'm, I'm desperately searching, had to stop recording that podcast, hop on HQ, do all this stuff. So it's it's – and by the way, Thursday was incredible, like – we we have a, a slate of games today. It's just this is it's been a weird morning here. And so to circle back to what I said, um, yeah, I don't want to be talking to you before late Sunday night. Like, I, uh, please let this be the last one, please. I'm, I'm, and then we got a million on Sunday night. So let's yes. look, look forward to that. Um, let's move on. We've said it. Everything we could say about Virginia today, we basically said about Duke yesterday. Uh, hopefully. Um, the contact tracing is not something that that actually prevents Virginia from from not participating in the NCAA tournament because obviously that would be uh, disappointing for all involved. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. Um, it was a wild Thursday, and we'll get into some of that next. But first, check this out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So, boy, oh boy, was that a wild Thursday or was that a wild Thursday? It actually started with us recording an emergency pod in the morning after Duke was removed from the ACC tournament because of covid issues within its program it ended with me talking on television for 30 minutes on cbs sports network well after 2 a.m in between we had a virginia buzzer beater over syracuse we had oklahoma state upsetting west virginia again ohio state might have ended richard patino's time at minnesota north carolina pounded virginia tech villanova dropped to 0-2 without colin gillespie texas edged texas tech 
Kansas gave Oklahoma another loss. Rutgers beat Indiana for the third time this season. Just a busy, busy day. Games early, games late. Games for like 15 straight hours. Dead leg. I saw you tweet yesterday that, in your opinion, Thursday of championship week is the sixth best day of the college basketball season. So let me ask you this. Did yesterday, the Thursday of championship week, live up to your expectations? And Duke's news aside, and actually strangely, like by 6 o'clock, the Duke stuff seemed more like on the way on the back burner than we would have thought in real time when we were recording the podcast. Uh, it exceeded the expectations. That noon window was great. It was, it was constant. And the thing was... We didn't get this day last year, of course. We didn't get Thursday of conference championship week. So it had been two years since we experienced that. And there was a lot of compelling stuff from notable upsets to dramatic finishes to just genuinely competitive, interesting games. Like even Bruce Weber, sick flow, competing with Baylor. Like no one kind of saw that coming. There was uh, that around dinner hour, there were a lot of higher seated teams that wound up barely edging out lower seated teams in their conference tournaments. So... It certainly did. Uh, it did live up to it and exceeded it, and uh, you know that was needed for my basketball-loving soul. I hope that you know as we start to hit the on-ramp for the Friday uh, session here, it uh, it does live up to it. By the way, in the court report, I did. I was going to run this. A year, I remember I was going to run this a year ago, and I saved it in a Google document because we lost. We lost the freaking season. Um, I ranked out the ten greatest days on the college basketball calendar, and it gets pretty tough at at the back end of it. So here are my 10, and I got some interesting feedback. A lot of people found themselves agreeing. First NCAA tournament Thursday in a normal year, not this year. It's a Friday this year, but a normal year because that's, come on. The, would you agree the best day on college basketball's calendar is the first Thursday of the NCAA tournament? Yeah. Yeah, got to be. Then Friday is just about as good. You just don't quite have the buildup, but Friday is number two. The one thing I got pushback on is I've got selection Sunday third because to me, the best hour of the year is Selection Sunday. And that, you know, that for me is the magic of revealing the bracket. You know, I go back to my younger years, middle school age, high school. That is a big reason why I fell in love with the sport. Some people say Selection Sunday shouldn't be as high because it's a TV show and there's only five games. They're not as many. Where do you fall on? Do I have it too high or would you put it near the top as well? I love the show. I love the show more than I love some of the games. I agree. I mean, the show the, the show's awesome. We don't. There's nothing else like it in um, mainstream American sports. I know the college football playoff has one, but it's four teams, and yeah. it's not the same thing. It's four teams, and, and, and two of them are Alabama and Clemson. We already know. <laughs> you are so, so correct. So it, you know, it's not the same thing. The selection show is is tremendous, and I think among the most fun things about the NCAA tournament. Man, it's it's just amazing, and. Um, I don't experience it the same way anymore that I once did. And, and I'm fortunate not to because, and so are you. Having the jobs we have, we don't get to just sit in front of a TV, watch it, soak it in, and, and, and get to do it the way so many people listening uh, get to do it. But still, it's incredible. Uh, the rest of my list is conference tournament Saturday, specifically because that is the most populated day for automatic bids from the small leagues. And you still have really good conference tournament games, conference tournament semis in the big conferences. There aren't as many games, but I like Saturday the most. Then today is my fifth Friday because it's the best combination. This is where you have the projected one seeds playing either their quarterfinals or semifinals. You you have every team that matters and can win a national championship unless it has been subject to an upset uh, the day before or the day before that. They're playing today, so it still is relevant. And then number six, I have conference tournament Thursday because that actually is 
Yesterday was the most populated day of games for the rest of the season. More teams were playing yesterday than anywhere else. You have the greatest chance at actually some surprising upsets, bubble teams winning, bubble teams losing. The top six is really a tier unto itself, and then seven through ten I have the second round, seven and eight, uh, Saturday and Sunday normal years. I've got final four Saturday as nine because I do love the buildup to that, and I love how you get the first semifinal before dinner time. Like, you get a reasonably a reasonable hour for both of those games, and then... Final spot number 10 was my toughest. I put Sweet 16 Thursday there because I do like the buildup in that prime time. Good teams, good matchups. It's that narrowly beating out, you know, the Elite Eights, the national title game. That's only one game and it's hit or miss. Uh, Champions Classic, which now starts the season, is certainly an honorable mention. It's a, it's in the discussion. And then I do love the Wednesday of champ uh, Feast Week, day before Thanksgiving, Maui Tournament, a lot of other stuff. Uh, college basketball probably has about 20 days that are really, really awesome, but that was my top 10. You li- you left out the, one of the most important. What did I miss? The Tuesday after the championship. <laughs> I, I think the season's technically over. I know that would be in your top five, but the season is is technically done at that point. But I know for you, hell, that might be ahead of Selection Sunday for you. But it's a big day. I agree. Dude, like, I love my jobs. I love doing what I do. Like, I don't feel like I work. I mean, I, mean, I, I feel like I work. I mean, I'm looking like, at you right now, and I, I can tell you feel like you work. This, this is what I mean. I can remember when I was a kid, my father, every time somebody would ask him, so how you doing? He would say something along the lines of just 27 more years till I retire. You know, just 38 more years till I retire. Yeah. He, 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 you know, just 22 more years till I retire. He's now retired and he's enjoying retirement. But I always, as a kid, it was just something he always said. I just sort of tuned it out. But as I got older, I started thinking, um, I was like, he's counting down his life. Like that, that, like that can't be perfect. Counting down your life, like waiting for something, waiting for the next thirty years to be over, cannot be a great approach to life. And and I, I give him credit. It's also my father who told me, um, you know, the, the key, what you want to do is find something you care about, and then find somebody who will pay you to do it. Right. So he he understood his own perspective. And. I said, okay, well, that's, that's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to find something I really enjoy and then see if I can trick people into paying me to do it. And so, wow, look at me. Here I am. Um, so I don't feel like, honestly, in normal times, I don't like people look forward to their days off. I don't really care. I mean, I enjoy my days off because I could go play golf or something, but I don't mind working. I enjoy working. I enjoy this. I am tired right now, but I'm having a good time right now. But man. That Tuesday after the national championship game, I feel like a thousand pounds are lifted off of me. Yeah. Like, like I, I just feel like, okay, I don't have to, I, there are suddenly days where I can breathe. You know, there are suddenly days where I know there's not something I have to do today other than, you know, maybe the radio show. And that's a, that's an incredible feeling. Like there are lots of people. I I sort of envy this on a, I don't want it but I, I become envious of it sometimes. Like there are people who get off work Friday at five o'clock and they don't have to think about work again until Monday at 9 a.m. They don't have nothing. They don't have to take a phone call. They don't have to tweet anything, nothing. And we don't have jobs like that. We, we can never really turn completely off, but you can turn pretty far down after the, the day after the national championship game. So I always look forward to that because A, I mean, I have, I've been home most of the past year anyway, but in normal, in normal times, I would, I've been gone so much. I've barely seen my family. So I know I'm coming home. I get to unpack my suitcase. I can put it up. And then 
it's the start of baseball season. So it like just like, man, I go from working 24 hours a day. It feels like to, okay, I can get off work, get the green egg going. Mets Phillies on the TV in the backyard. Like let's relax a little bit. I really look forward to that day, even if I will enjoy every day between now and then. Three more weeks, buddy, and we're going to get there. Can I ask you a quick question on Nova Georgetown just to spin it from what happened on Thursday here? Um, Mm -hmm. What is your – give me your thought, I guess, on the result period, and I do want to talk Ewing, but, like, where do you – not where do you think they they will. If it was up to you, where are you slotting Villanova right now on the C-line? In the 5-6 range. I mean, they're clearly not the same team without Colin Gillespie. This is a team that – you know, people thought was a Final Four contender. And for folks who don't know, Colin Gillespie, one of three Big East players of the year, um, has <laughs> suffered a torn MCL that is expected to sideline him for the rest of the season. Since he went down, Villanova's played two games. Lost to Providence, lost to Georgetown. Lost to two teams that are unlikely to be in the NCAA tournament. Um, now, if you want to spin it slightly positive, it's two losses by a total of three points. So, like, get a stop, make a shot, could be two wins. But it's not. It's two losses. Um, more troubling, it's not only that Villanova's 0-2 without Con Gillespie. Villanova's 5-5 five and five in its past 10 games. I think they're going to be punished on Selection Sunday for the performance without their most important player because it is very clear they're a different team without Colin Gillespie, as they should be. Like, I know there's somebody out there going, oh, duh, they lost their best player and they're a different team. Thanks, Paris. That's why you're the insider. I got it. But my only point is it, it, it is now well-established and undeniable, and I think the selection committee will, will, um, will treat them as such. Yeah, they, uh, they're, it's going to be weird. It's almost going to be um... – like Villanova is going to enter the tournament without like true the weight of expectations. Basically, they'll have a house money situation. Like, stay right. You don't want to doubt him entirely, but just team does not look the same without Colin Gillespie. Um, it's actually affected them more than I thought it would. Uh, and and that, and and credit to Georgetown, no doubt about it. But uh, Nova losing like that, um, that was the most surprising result of the day to me on Thursday. And it, just because I just didn't think Georgetown was going to have it. And, and Georgetown fans, I'm sure, are just overjoyed at just having this moment here and uh and and Ewing gave us a great little post game thing we that I want to get to but for Nova specifically um yeah man I, I'll be interested to see who they get matched up against I would put them on the six line I think and if they landed there wouldn't surprise me but if you made me pick my guess is they will put them on the five and now you know the byproduct of that is you know we had talked about it last week I think on Sunday night's podcast I said listen I think UConn should be the favorite to win the Big East tournament and UConn actually was the favorite to win the Big East tournament um James Booknight was cramping late the Thursday um we'll see how that carries over if it does into Friday night's game against Creighton but on the other side of that here's what we know either Georgetown or Seton Hall is playing for the Big East tournament title on Saturday and that's pretty awesome. You know, you, and, and listen, I don't root against anybody. I don't say this any, for any other reason than it would just be cool. But Patrick Ewing coaching in the garden for a Big East tournament title against let's just, UConn or Creighton, I don't care, would be a pretty, pretty cool deal. And if it's, I mean, it doesn't, but if it was UConn Georgetown, UConn's first, first time back in the, in the garden and for a tournament game in like, you know, seven, eight years, that would be big. Here's, by the way, here's what, here's what Patrick Ewing said. Here's a, this is, I love this story, by the way. Here's what he said after the win. And I don't know who set him up for this, but he got, he was, uh, he started talking about walking around, you know, the place where he played and became arguably the best New York Nick of all time. 
Um, but I do want to say one thing, though. They, I, I thought this was my building, and I feel terrible that I'm getting stopped, accosted, asking for passes. I, everybody in this building should know who the hell I am. And I'm getting stopped. I can't move around this building. Like I, I was like, what the hell? Is this Madison Square Garden? I'm going to have to call Mr. Dolan and say, geez, is my number in the rafters or what? All right, all right let's go to <laughs> amazing. Yo, okay, couple quick things here. Uh, first of all, Ewing is saying this with like a chuckle, so it's like half joking, but it is like, mother effer, I'm Patrick F. and Ewing. Like, what are you talking about right now? And you and I have been in these situations at these conference tournaments. Like, we understand, like, the the Garden will hire out a security team. Actually, the Garden has its own team. The Garden is actually different. That's what makes this interesting is normally, like, for a Final Four, they hire out a security company, and they'll, you'll have hundreds of people working these events that have no idea who most of these people are, right? The Garden, actually, the security detail there... And maybe it's changed in COVID. I haven't been in the building, so maybe it is different. But they know each other. Like, when you go to the Garden, you see these people. Like, you know their faces. They're always there for every basketball game. So this idea that it's Patrick Ewing walking around Madison Square Garden. He's seven foot tall. He starred for your franchise. Took you to the NBA Finals. Was the arguably the greatest college basketball player of the 1980s. Number one pick in the 85 draft. And this man cannot walk more than, you know, 27 paces without someone going, hey, excuse me, sir, I'm going to need to see that credential. It's <laughs> phenomenal to me. And if I'm Ewing, I'm rightfully, playfully offended, but also calling James Doolin and be like, you got to get these guys off my back, man. I'm trying to I'm trying to win a Big East title, and you're telling me I got to show you who I am five times a day? Incredible. But that might have been my highlight of Thursday. Oh, it was terrific. And you're exactly right. He was saying it with a little bit of a grin and joke, but there's a part of that, like that, – there's some truth in there. Like, yo, I'm Patrick Ewing. What What's going on here? Because I'm certain there was a time when he did, could walk around the garden freely. Like, it, it, but you, you want to know why? Because his picture was everywhere. Because he was in the tabloids every day. Because it, at that time, it would have been basically impossible to live in New York City, whether you're a sports fan or not, and not see Patrick Ewing everywhere. But the last time he played for the New York Knicks was 21 years ago. My point being this, like, there were, I'm confident security guards working in the garden who actually don't know who Patrick Ewing is. Might not have been born when Patrick Ewing was There's playing. There's no one under Knicks. 21 working security at the garden right now. That's you not don't, you, you don't know that. They don't have some 19-year-old punk working it. Maybe, maybe <laughs> it's true. I just love the visual of someone walking up to Pat saying, sir, can I see your credential? And him, and him wanting to just take this, this guy by the collar, be like, you know what? Come here. Come here right now. Come here. Walk with me. Walk with me right now. All right. And then they're in the arena. They say, look up there. You see that? What does that say? What's that number? 33? Ewing. That's me. He Get out of here. His, he should wear his Knicks jersey to the arena oh, he today. Actually, he <laughs> that would be terrific. Oh, my gosh. He won't do this. That's a, that is a, if he showed up, that would, that would dominate the day. If he actually showed up tonight, like you got the, it's on Fox. They're doing the pregame team, getting off the bus, walking into the building. And it's Patrick Ewing wearing his Jersey parish. I'd lose no, that's it. Perfect. Oh my God. It'd be the best thing ever. No, oh, and how about this? Like coaches coaching, whatever they want to coach in now coaching your next Jersey. Oh, I, what would be better than Patrick Ewing coaching against Seton hall tonight in a Knicks Jersey? 
Gonzaga winning the title as the first undefeated team since 1976 would not be as good as watching Patrick Ewing <laughs> walk into the garden, wear his old New York Knicks jersey, and coach the Georgetown Hoyas to prevent him from getting stopped by security. I know this won't happen. If I could actually wish this to materialization, I would. That is a phenomenal idea. Well, here's, here's, here's the point I'm trying to make is that, like, security guards might not be sports fans, might not be lifelong New Yorkers. Like, you only know if you know. Like, we, we always assume, like, how could you not know Patrick Ewing? But, like, what if you're 26 years old and you didn't grow up in New York? You might not know Patrick Ewing. Like, um, <laughs> we, we, there, was, there was one time we were – you ever seen this Jay-Z documentary from like, it's probably 20 years old at this point, but he's on a train um, going from Brooklyn to Manhattan, I think maybe to do something at the garden. I don't know. It's uh, But there's this, he sits down on a, on a train. They're filming the whole thing. And he's sitting next to this, that's Jay-Z. How could you not know Jay-Z? You're in New York. There's this little old lady. Yeah. And she's like, she's like, what's your name? He's like, my name's Jay. She's like, he, he, she, and he, she's like, well, what do you do? And I, I'm messing this up. I don't remember the details. But it, it, finally, he was like, I'm Jay-Z. I'm a rapper or whatever. And she's like, oh, I, I know you. But, like, she didn't know because, like, why would she? We were at a charity event one time in, in California. This is, this is actually the point. We're at a charity event in California. Quite a few famous people there. And, but this is the night before the charity event, so it's pretty non-formal. Like, everybody's just sort of dressed normally and – and hanging out wherever you're hanging out. It's like rented out a restaurant and just, you know, it, it, that's the scene. So my wife goes to the bathroom and she comes back and she says, I just met the sweetest old man. And I said, oh yeah. She's like, yeah. He started talking to me. She's like, he's just the sweetest old man. Like, he, I think he might've been flirting with me, but, but like, it was just so sweet. And I was like, oh really, who was it? And she pointed and I said, the tall guy there? And she said, yeah. And I said, Bill Russell? And she said, I, I guess. I said, you, you don't know that's Bill Russell? And she was like, I don't know Bill Russell. What does he do? She had no idea. Why, yeah. would, why would my wife know who Bill Russell is? So I, I'm assuming somebody like my wife is working security. And maybe lots of people like my wife work in security at the garden. And they just don't know. Maybe they would have known 25 years ago. But in the year 2021, he's just a tall guy who looks like a college basketball coach to, to some people, I'm certain. It's amazing, man. Well, we'll see what they can do uh, on Friday. Uh, good on the Hoyas. Only two wins in like the past like eight years against Villanova. They get that done. Big East continues to pace tonight. And uh, hey, you want to pick some games? Final four in one time? Come update me on the records, please. I have no idea. I don't have the document in front of me. All I know is I'm ahead of you by six to eight games. Stop the steal. Stop <laughs> Not again. the steal. Stop the steal. You, you're going to need, a, you're gonna need a, a, a marathon this weekend just to let you know. Okay. Well, let me tell you what I did because I refuse to pick Friday games. That's, that's my, you know, I'm principled. Okay. I'm principled in this way. I refuse to pick Friday games, but the truth is we don't know our Saturday matchup. That's right. You're in a tough that's, spot right now. I'm in a tough spot. I got games to make up. I'm I'm being forced to pick Friday games. So what I did is pick some late Friday games, and then I picked some actual weekend games, and I got four, and then you can do whatever you want to do. You ready? Let's roll. Game one, Friday, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, Big 12 tournament semifinals, number 13, Texas, versus number 11, Kansas, inside the Jason Sudeikis Center. You can watch it on ESPN2, Texas minus one. 
Texas is favorite. I like the Sudeikis reference. That's good stuff. Ted Lasso. You know will he's be, from Kansas City? Yeah, I know. Ted Lasso will be the first show I watch once the season's over. There's been way too much hype. I haven't got to it. I think you have. I'll get to it as, uh, as soon as I get back home. That's my go-to. Um, I think Texas's win on Thursday was one of its most impressive of the entire season. Like, Texas Tech should have won that game. Texas wins. These Big 12 semis are fabulous. No David McCormick. Kansas did well for itself. I am going to take Texas here. Uh, I think if these teams played a seven-game series, Texas would win 4-3, to three, so I will lean that. Give me the Longhorns to advance to the Big 12 title game. Trivia time. Okay. What famous sitcom actor is Jason Sudeikis' uncle? Oh, boy. I, you got me stumped here. Give me a decade. Say 80s, I guess. That long ago. You, But you will know the person. Everybody knows the person except for the security at Madison Square Garden. Okay. Um, man, 80s, you guess? I don't, give me one more hint without giving it away. Also played a famous character, so was in one of the most famous sitcoms. Michael J. Fox. A, nope. Okay. Also played a famous character on Saturday Night Live. But, but wasn't a full-time cast member, just played this character... Man. Connected to a professional sports franchise that you care about. Uh, oh, uh, uh, George Wendt? It is George Wendt. George Wendt is Jason Sudeikis' uncle? <laughs> yes, it's on Wikipedia. How about that? Must be true. How about that? I feel sick for Jason Sudeikis. Break up, you break up with your girl, or she breaks up with you, however that works. Maybe you just decide to, to walk away. And you're like, um, well, you, you, let's say you have, still have feelings for her. I've been through this. And you go, well, she's going to regret this. And then you look up and she's actually dating Harry Styles. That's just a tough spot, you know? That's, that's tough. That's a I tough know. spot. Like when your girl's dating Harry Styles. Like you hope, well, you'll never find somebody more talented than me. Oh, well. Well, you'll never find somebody younger and better looking than me. Mm. It's a tough one, man. It's a tough one. Not ideal. It's not ideal. Are you going to pick, pick Kansas to make Sudeikis feel better here? I once spent time with Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde in the Delta Sky Club. I know. LAX. About, I knew you were. This is, again, this is, this is half the reason we picked the game, people, by the way, just so you know. Yes, I know. You you hung. I think by you spent time, they were on one side of the room, you were on on the other. That's Is that basically we, it? We were in the same general vicinity. Fair enough. I like them. I wish they could get back together if they like each other. I'm taking Kansas. Jason Sudeikis, man. He's from Kansas, from the greater Kansas City area. Give me, give me the Jayhawks. All right. Game two, Friday, 11.30 p.m. Eastern. 11.30 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> Do you, the Mountain West Conference second semifinals at midnight. Oh, yeah, I know. Might be a Friday tip, just so you know. But we'll find yeah. Friday, 11.30 Eastern, Pac-12 tournament semifinals. Number 23, Colorado versus number 24, USC, inside Hakkasan Arena. Yes. You can watch it on ESPN, Colorado, minus 1.5. Oh, come on. What? USC is the dog? Wrong team favorite. I'm glad you're on the same team with What me. are this we is, doing here? This is wrong team favorite. Colorado just got to bed two hours ago. It's wrong team favorite. Steve's playing till one in the morning. We got a wrong team favorite situation. Trojans all day. I got the Trojans winning the Pac-12 tournament, by the way. Oregon's good. Don't get me wrong. I, t I saw you talking about them on CBS Sports Network Thursday. I got Trojans. Trojans win this. And they had a, they had a fight. Don't get me wrong. Uh, against U Utah. But no. Yeah. USC. That That's a money line situation right there. Colorado has 
only two Quadrant 1 wins. They've got three Quadrant 3 losses, and they're 11th in the net, 14th at Kimpom, top 25 in every computer. How'd they trick the computers? I, 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 I don't know. They tricked the computers. They played a trick on these computers. It's the wrong team favorite situation. I know I need to go opposite you to catch up, but I can't do that. It's the wrong team favorite. Got three, under three losses. You gonna beat USC inside Hakkasan Arena? I doubt it. Game three, Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern, America East title game. UMass Lowell versus Hartford inside Elvis Aaron Presley Arena. You can watch it on ESPN2. It's Hartford minus three. I love this surprise. I spoke with Hartford coach John Gallagher on Thursday night. And um, on a serious note, he is like he is terrified that his team is going to get COVID positives and not be able to play this game. Hartford was supposed to play Vermont a year ago in the America East title game. The way the America East Conference Tournament's schedule is structured, you play a few days off, you play a few days off, and then you play in the title game. Um, that has mostly stayed the same this year, too. So Hartford knew, like, it played its semifinal, and then it had, like, a four- or five-day break before its title game. They never got to play. Hartford's going to host this one. Um, a, uh, he gave me a couple reasons why they'll win or why they'll lose, like ball screen defense and all this kind of stuff. I was like, yeah, sure, what? whatever, man. Uh, but I'm taking Hartford here. Uh, uh, there's, Listen, UMass Lowell will earn my respect if it gets the auto bid. But until then, get out of my face. You had your chance in November. You blew it. Ohio State, we gave you the opportunity. You didn't come through. Hartford Hawks, breakfast. This is the brunch auto bid situation. Love the America East title game. Would love to scoot on up to Hartford. Gallagher's like, come on up. We got media availability. I was like, eh, I got to be on HQ. I'd love to scoot up there and get back down to my house in time, but I can't pull it off. Give me the Hawks minus three. I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted. On one hand, I got Elvis's alma mater, and on the other hand, I got John Gallagher. John Gallagher, his 11th year at Hartford. He's one win away from the NCAA tournament, make it for the first big for the first time in his career. I, I'm. You got You got You got to decide right now. I'm a fellow Mississippian, like Elvis Aaron Presley. I grew up in the greater Memphis area, just like Elvis Aaron Presley eventually made his home. I was born in the same hospital where Elvis Aaron Presley died. My cousin was born in the same hospital where Elvis Aaron Presley died within days of it. So much so that my parents tried to go visit my aunt and uncle and weren't allowed in the hospital. You want to know why? Because Elvis was dead inside. A lot of stuff going on here. Pick this game. I I once ran over a pedestrian on Elvis Presley Boulevard. That's a fact. Do not give me grief for accidentally nudging up against a homeless man when you're telling me you just did what you just did. I ran over a pedestrian on Elvis Presley Boulevard. That's worse. That's a fact. I'll tell that story someday. I, I, I ran over a pedestrian. I mean, like the movies. Hit him, boom, he pops up, smashes my windshield, flies over my car, lands behind me. Pick this game. I can't be disloyal to John Gallagher. I say all that, and then I have to tell you, I cannot be disloyal to John Gallagher. There's only one thing that would make me happier than Elvis' alma mater being in the NCAA tournament, and it's John Gallagher being in the NCAA tournament. I have to lay points with Hartford. Yeah, you do. It's tough. Hawks. It's tough, it's tough but I know I'm doing the right thing. Hawks, baby. Love I know it. I'm doing the right thing. Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern, A-10 tournament title game. VCU versus St. Bonaventure inside Adrian and Amy Wojnarowski Arena. 
You can watch it on CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. Bonnie's minus 1.5. Bonnie's are in. No matter what, they're good. They're good to go. Uh, VCU is a little bit trickier here just from a from a selection standpoint. Although a, a lot of bubble teams t- took losses in the past two days that couldn't afford it. I think VCU is in no matter what. I Honestly, after what I've seen, this the, when this matchup got finalized... It's been, what, a week now almost? It's four years. I know. Four years, uh, four, the 18 semifinals were four years ago. Hey, but credit to the conference commissioner. The A-10 is not running up into the issues that some other leagues have, in part because it bumped everything up except the title game. Hopefully all goes well and this thing can be played as scheduled on CBS on Sunday. When VCU got into the title game, I thought it was uh, in a somewhat precarious position. I think both these teams are in. I think, there's, I think that they can go in and comfortably know that if they lose, they're going to be fine. Bonaventure's resume is better. I think that it's uh, if VCU wins, maybe they'll wind up in the same seed line. What did you say the line was? Bonnie's minus one point five. I'm going. I since I know you're taking the Bonnies, I'm going to give you the opportunity to try and make up some ground here. I will ride with Mike Rhodes and the Rams. Uh, you don't want to go to war. Don't start no stuff. There won't be no stuff. I have played multiple times at at tournaments with the VCU pep band, I will ride with the Commonwealth. I have to be loyal to the Wojnarowskis. Of course. It would, I, plus, like, St. Bonaventure, listen, um, they've won the A-10 twice now. They've won the A-10 tournament once back in 2012. Never won both in the same season. The Bonnies winning both the A-10 regular season title and the A-10 tournament in the same season would be historic and cool. I'm laying the points with St. Bonaventure. Okay. Go. Um, I'm not going to run down everything you need to know. You, If you're listening to this podcast, you're, lo- you're locked in. You know it's a huge day. But bubble teams to keep an eye on and be aware of. Wichita State against South Florida. That's a big one. Um, the one that I'm going to pick, I think, is the most significant one of the day overall. Uh, but it is, a good, it is a good bubble day. Ole Miss has got to play LSU. If it beats LSU, it's going to have a good case. But to me, the biggest game of the day between bubble teams, and it might technically happen and start on Saturday, is Utah versus Colorado State. I didn't think of an. What's a Vegas? Uh, how about how about uh, how about Utah, <laughs> Utah State? What did I say? Utah. You That'd be a hell of a left. thing if Utah could lose in the Pac-12 tournament and scoot on over to the Mountain West, by the way. <laughs> Quite the gambit if it could pull that off. But uh, that, That's the way it ought to work. If you lose in the Pac-12 tournament, you get you you get uh, you get funneled straight into the Mountain West. Exactly, exactly. This is at Thomas and Mac, so hell, you know, we'll go we'll go Jerry Tarkanian, uh, the Jerry Tarkanian Center here. This is going to be about midnight on CBS Sports Network. GP will be on pregame, halftime, post, the whole deal there. Winner is... I think uh, Colorado State's definitely in if it wins this game. I, I, I think Colorado State's in no matter what. You think they, it's in no can, matter what? They can't take. They, it's impossible for them to take bad losses now. They've got okay. zero losses in the quad in quad three. Like Colorado can't even like Colorado has three losses in quad three. Colorado State has zero. I think as soon as Colorado State won last night and Utah State won, yeah, it put Colorado State in a position where it can't take a bad loss. I think the Rams are in no matter what. I think you're right, and and yet at the same time, man, when I look at all these teams near the cut line right now as we speak, like I feel like there should be nine teams going to the first four, It's and, and the loser of this one might be that. Utah State losing, it gets a little bit tricky. These teams split when Utah State hosted back in January 
but this is my game. Uh, I'm excited for this one. This one should be this one should be a good one. Um, there will be no doubt if Colorado State wins. GP thinks it's in with a loss no matter what. I think I probably agree. Um, Utah State with the win would do itself wonders. If it loses, it's going to be a nervous wait. The line is Utah State minus two. Who you got? I'll take Utah State. Because I think it's better for the Mountain West if Utah State wins. Because then I think Utah State's in. I think Colorado State's still in. San Diego State obviously in. And the one that's just screwed up everything is Boise State. Like, I don't think Boise State's They're not getting in. This point. They're not. I don't think they're getting in. I actually, uh, another Vegas luminary, our buddy Jeff Borzello, who, who certainly uh, has seen a Hakkasan. He's seen a Hakkasan club or two in his day. Um, I tweeted at him yesterday. Every single year since Tulsa happened like five, six years ago and nobody saw it coming, I always try and pick the one team where they're projected out of the field, but there might be enough random stuff that they could shock everyone. I think Boise State is that team this season, which means I don't think they're going to get in, but I think they're the most likely team that's kind of universally seen as on the bubble, but out by everyone. And if there was going to be one shocker, it'd be them. I don't think they're getting in. Um, I think the Mountain West will send three. Unfortunately, GP, we agree with this. I think Utah State's the better team. It's got the best player on the floor, Namiyash Keita. Colorado State's been good, and they can certainly win the game. It's projected to only be a two-point spread. Uh, Utah State ranks 39th at Ken Palm. Colorado State ranks 59th. I agree with you. We both got the Aggies here. Is it time to go? Yeah, we got to get out of here. Let's get, let's, let's get on the horse. Let's go. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle. Legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening once again to the Island College Basketball Podcast. Middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Norlander. Woo. Never seen one like this. First Duke, then Virginia. Who they going to get next? I hope nobody. Who they going to get next? Please if you're not nobody. subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it. And, um... We'll talk to you again whenever we need to talk to you again. But hopefully, hopefully it's Sunday night after we have a bracket. Until then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.